Amen. <clears throat> right, we're on chapter 26, dealing with communion of saints. And again, not to be repetitive, but to be repetitive. Um, this depends. Obviously, there's no communion without union. No communion of saints without union with Christ. There's no communion with Christ without union with Christ. And it's only the union with Christ that gives union with saints, right, uh, with one another. Uh, for it's only in Christ that we are saints. So there has to be that union with Christ for any of the other to take place, for any of it to take place. And I talked some, here I have mentioned it the last couple of times, that thinking about uh, the fact that this union is, it's, it's an inseparable union. It, nothing can separate us from Christ, right? Nothing. And thinking about that, and as we go throughout our day and whatever we're doing, that we are with Christ. So we have that union. And this past week, it may have been last Lord's Day, uh, as I was uh, in, my, in my vehicle and um, listening to the radio, but there was a, a point made of um, what we read about in Acts 9 uh, with, with Saul at the time on the road to Damascus. And you would recall uh, that when the light shone on Saul and uh, basically took him to the ground, uh, the voice that came to him said what? Saul, Saul, why what? Why persecutest thou me? Right? Why persecutest thou me? And it, the, 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 the preacher, oddly enough, was talking about I say oddly enough, I mean, it's just what struck me that here we've been talking about this and I hear this, but his point was the union of Christ with his people. And he said, you know, here, you see Christ talking to Paul, Saul to be Paul, why do you persecute me? And obviously Saul was not, as it were, directly persecuting Christ. But Saul, very clearly, was persecuting those that were in union with Christ. And that union was so real and is so real to Christ that Christ took that persecution personally. It was the same to him because he and his people are one. They are inseparably in union. So to do something to the one is to do it to the other. And I thought, we don't think about it sometimes nearly as much as we should. We don't consider this union. But Christ is mindful of it, and I think certainly there's nothing that says it directly, 
but is mindful of it constantly because we know some of the, the, the scripture that talks about this constant presence that Christ, we have with Christ and Christ with us. So Christ being mindful of it. And here with Saul taking great offense as to what Saul was doing to his people. And in turn, what crossed my mind was, so, so do I take offense when people use the Lord's name in vain? Does that, does that affect me? You know, or do I, okay, well, that's just them and let it go. If somebody was speaking vilely about your spouse, I don't, I don't know if you would, wait a minute, what are, you, what are you saying and why? We might take issue very quickly because that relationship that we have. But I'm not sure that we, we, we think about that relationship we have with Christ and Christ with us, that inseparable relationship, nearly as much as perhaps we probably should. So, um, something just, uh, again, wanted to share with you that here we'd been talking about it and here this minister making the point of the union of Christ with his people. Use that illustration. Saul, why do you persecute me? When Saul was obviously persecuting his people. All right, so I think we're... To, uh, to, to paragraph 2, 26.2, I'm on page 654. But before I, I do that, I just want to call your attention again to the last part of paragraph 1. Uh, and we've talked about it a little bit, but um, 26.2 is really going to expand upon it. But the last half of 26.1 talks about him being united to one another in love, they have communion in each other's gifts and graces, and we talked about that, and are obliged to the performance of such duties, public and private, as do conduce to their mutual good, both in the inward and outward man. And we generally talked about that a little bit. But now keep that in mind, obliged to the performance of such duties, etc. So you come to 26.2 on page 654, And we read, saints, by profession, are bound to maintain a holy fellowship and communion in the worship of God. And in performing such other spiritual services as tend to their mutual edification, as also in relieving each other in outward things according to their several abilities and necessities, which communion, as God offereth opportunity, is to be extended unto all those who, in every place, call upon the name of the Lord Jesus. So I want to take a look at, at what our obligations are. What our obligations are. 
Before I do, I want to give you one scripture reference that I meant to give you just a minute ago. And it's 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 10. as to the, our, our being connected with Christ. And 1 Thessalonians 5.10 says, Who died for us, talk, talking about Christ. Well, verse 9, For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. Who died for us, that, and watch this little next this phrase, Whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. You are inseparably connected to Christ even when you're asleep. Well, I came across that verse and, and uh, I just wanted to tie that one in. Whether we wake or sleep, because Christ died for us, union with him, and whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Verse 11 goes on, Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also ye do. So just a, another little emphasis on that union and just how constant that union is. How constant. All right. Question one on page 655. What are the marks of a properly functioning communion of believers. Now, on page 637, we had a question, how does the visible church accomplish its functions? This was on the chapter on the church. And we went through a lot of things, one of which was communion with fellow believers. And we looked at some passages then. But there's an overlap, obviously, here. There's an overlap. Um, so I'm not going to go back through everything we went through back then. But what I'm looking for and, and what we're going to talk about some are just simply the things that are in our paragraph. Um, so we look at the, the paragraph, saints by profession are bound. It's, it's your obligation and mine to maintain a holy fellowship and communion in the worship of God. So, a, a mark of a properly functioning communion of believers would be a, an assembling together and the coming together for a proper worshiping of God. All right? The oneness, if I can put it this way, the oneness... That unity of the body requires the members of the body to be together, at least on some occasions, right? You're never going to be in oneness with someone. Now, spiritually we are. We're all connected in Christ to his body. But as far as this communion and making it function, it's not going to happen if you never see, talk to, or come together to worship. Again, the preacher's mentioned it two or three times of late in, in, in his sermons. 
and, and um, the, the, the effect, the impact of our being here, of your being here for the worship service, the impact on him, right? As he would minister. If nobody's here, does that impact his ministry? Do you think it would? Sure it would. Sure it would. Well, if you're here and everyone else you thought would be here is not here, does that impact your communion? Sure it does. Sure it does. And just seeing you, right? You seeing me, seeing others, being here is used by the Spirit in the bonding together, right, of our church family, is used by the Spirit to minister to the heart of our minister, is used by the Spirit to minister to your heart and mine in a way that you may not even be aware. It, it may not even be registering, and yet your spirit's just kind of lifted. I mean, you think about two days ago, and you were just kind of by yourself, or you were not in a place among believers, and, and it was just a bit depressing or oppressing, and you come to church, you know, maybe, maybe you're still a little down. But you come to church, and at the end of the day, if you stop and think about it, you realize, you know, you've, you've enjoyed the day. You've enjoyed what you did in the day. You've enjoyed being with believers. And you weren't bothered by those things. Right? That's part of the communion of saints functioning. That's part of what it's intended to do. We're part of one body. We are ministering. We are helping. As long as we fulfill the part, do whatever it is, that little part, but if we're not doing our part, now maybe there's a little sore here. Maybe, maybe we can't do some of the heavy lifting that we needed to do. You know, there's somebody missing that could be here praying. So we want to make sure that we guard we see the uh, the passages there on page 654 let us uh, Hebrews 10 24 25 and let us consider one another to provoke to stir up is the idea uh, unto love and to good works not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together um, as the manner of some is but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching, the, the Lord's return as it would seem to be drawing nearer. Um, 
is the idea. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. In Acts 2, verse 42, and then 40, verse 46, and they continued. And, and the continued there, that word is a group continuing, right? Uh, it's not personal, no, they're individually participating. But the idea in, in both verses is, uh, is a group type thing. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. And again, that singleness of heart, uh, the, the aspect of the binding, the communion, what they did was together with a united purpose and a united focus and a united desire for the good. And you got to remember now, <laughs> when that's being written, the Jews, yeah, they, they, they accepted Christ. If they became a follower of Christ, they were ostracized. I mean, they were... They were about as bad as the Gentiles in the eyes of other Jews. So how much more? And we said, well, sure. They, they really needed each other then. And they did. But I would suggest to you, no, no more or no less than we need each other now. And realizing and, and encouraging one another notwithstanding what you may be going through day by day, um, what, what persecution and what persecution we may all be going through, be it light or be it heavy. Uh, some, obviously, persecution to the taking of their life. But we've got this continuing together, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves. Now, We've got the next thing, we've got the, the worship, the next thing mentioned in our paragraph, uh, and in performing such other spiritual services as tend to their mutual edification, right? And we kind of see that in one of the verses we just read, uh, the, the Acts 2, 42, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, Right? So they're, they're getting the word. I almost tell you, here, here's the outline for a church's functioning or the church liturgy. Apostles' doctrine, fellowship, right? So there is a fellowship that's going on. In breaking of bread, the idea there um, at least certainly suggested, and I think rightly so, uh, considered is the sacrament, uh, but uh, the part of the fellowship as well as they would do back then. Um, the breaking of bread and in prayers. So you've got doctrine, you've got fellowship, you've got observing sacraments, and you've got praying. Right? Your mutual edification. Your mutual edification. And if you go back to uh, page 650, a passage that we've looked at two or three times, and again, bears looking at again, uh, the Ephesians, uh, let me find it, 
Ephesians 4, which is on page 650, it's the first proof text under number 2. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body, fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working and the measure of every part, everybody's doing what they should be doing. And Christ is using that to strengthen, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself. In love, right? The edifying of itself in love. So we've got this mutual edification. Now, again, just when we come and how that mutual edification takes place, you know, it could be a variety of ways. But tell me what you think. Um, Ways that we mutually edify one another, whether it be at church or otherwise, as a church family. How is it that we mutually edify one another? What, what can you think of? Things that maybe, maybe ought to be happening even more than is happening, but certainly things that the Lord intends, ways that we can make this family better. Right? I mean, you can even think of, you know, individual household family situations. What do you do there? What do you see going on? Anybody got any thoughts? Anybody? Praying for each other. Praying for each other? And, and, and hearing that prayer? Parents praying for children? Children praying for parents? Children praying for each other? I would suggest to you among the, the family, that one may, you know, if you know you've got people here who come up and say, just want you to know I've been praying for you this week. Don't know what's going on, but the Lord just put you on my heart. Okay? So praying for one another. Others? Beth? For what? Okay. Yeah. I mean, an appreciation. Uh, hopefully. Hopefully your family and your Christian family cares for you in a way that the world doesn't, right? And just, hey, thanks for being there. Sometimes it's just thanks for letting me tell you what's on my heart. Just let me unload on you, right? Just, just to have an ear to listen. Not only do I know you're listening, but you're listening with an eye toward how you can help. All right? And there's part of that. Bob? In terms of practical things, Okay. And, and in 
helping one another. And again, that's part of what we'll see here in, in uh, meeting needs, uh, but certainly being able to do what we are intended to do. Hopefully, hopefully when you take a look at um, the, the financial statements from time to time, and, and they're back on the back cabinet in there, um, and you can look at it in the budget for this year, you can look at that and say, wow, this is, this is wonderful that we can do these things. And that I, with my little part, I can do, help do, help each other do all of these things. And you get that. Jack? There's a verse that goes something like this. Uh, Let us abide together in every good word, work, and deed, knowing that in the Lord our labor is not in vain. Mm -hmm. Take that every good word, work, and deed, supporting one another. Mm-hmm. And, and with that, with that word comes that little warning or maybe that little word of correction. <laughs> you ever get been in a household with, with kids? You'll, you'll, you've bound to have had this experience where you're in another room or whatever, but one of the children is correcting the other child. You shouldn't be doing that. Mom or dad said, that's not what we're supposed to be doing. And you're sitting there thinking, and you were just doing it. You know, <laughs> you're correcting your sibling on it, but you know, but, you know, why? Why, are, why is the one sibling telling the other sibling? Well, maybe just to enjoy being a sibling who wants to say, ha-ha, I know you did something wrong. But maybe it's just to say, that's not what we're supposed to do. I don't want you getting in trouble, and I don't want you getting me in trouble. So let's not do that. And hopefully that happens here happens hopefully from the preach word when God says and puts his finger on something by the Holy Spirit in your heart, my heart, saying, hey, it's an area you need to look at. You need to address. You need to think about this. And we do that with one another. You know, not, you, you really, you don't, you don't need to be doing that on the Lord's Day. Now, and again, sometimes that can rub us wrong. You know, that, what's, what do you get accused of? Oh, you're just one of those holier-than-thou people. Um, you, you're just wanting to lord it over everybody or, you know, make me feel miserable or whatever. And I would hope that would not be the intent. It may be sometimes. But if that's what the Lord uses to point out something that maybe you just need to think about and say maybe the first response is, okay, Lord, if, if that was a word from you, let me listen and let me consider. And if it wasn't a word from you, let me be willing to forgive and 
not uh, get mad at the other person that used it that in the wrong way. So we've got this mutual edification that takes place. Romans 14 was another passage. It's not one of our memory passages or memory uh, or footnote proof text. But Romans 14, 19 talks about, let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things wherewith one may edify another. And that's when the passage talking and the next verse, for meat destroy not the work of God. So, he, oh, well, look, have you considered how this is going to impact your testimony? Or, you know, how it's going to affect your relationship with somebody. That's what he's dealing with here. This mutual edification. Next one, mutual tangible help. And also in relieving each other in outward things according to their several abilities and necessities. Right? So a mutual tangible help. First um, John three seventeen on on the next page six fifty six. But whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? Um, and you've got the, the verse right above it. The early church and all that believed were together and had all things common, sold their possessions and goods, and parted them to all men as every man had need. And um, then you've got the, the last passage, Acts 11, 29 and 30, then the disciples, every man according to his ability, determined to send relief unto the brethren which dwelt in Judea, which also they did, and sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. And um, you've got other passages in the scripture. You've got passages where some of the very small uh, Laodicean churches were taking up offerings and sending it back to some of the bigger more well-established churches to help with the ministry. You look at where they were and what was going on, and it's quite moving that here they were giving money, in today's terms we'd say, they were giving money they probably didn't have to give in one sense. They certainly could have used it in their ministry where they were. They said, no, uh, we're, we're going to help out here and we're going to do what the Lord enables us to do. Now, they didn't do foolish things, but what the Lord helped them and enabled them to do, they did. It's one thing that we try to do. Uh, we, we, the Lord's been kind to us. And um, you, you'd see at the uh, end of the year, a lot of times we'll, we'll do things for some of our other churches that have maybe not had quite as good a year. Um, and going through some hard times. And we want to be mindful of those people in those churches. Uh, we do things for, you know, the, the church. And again, the church is broader than us. So if there is a famine, if there is a tsunami, if there is whatever, and there are areas affected, one of the things we try to do is look and say, okay, do we have brethren there? Not just brethren that are free Presbyterians, 
do we have brothers and sisters in the Lord and how can we help minister to them and how can we maybe help them minister to their community so as to bear a testimony uh, so we have that as well the last thing I have here and it's kind of an overriding part, it's not mentioned directly, is an evident love. What are the marks of a properly functioning communion of believers? An evident love. And I've got several passages I want to look at, so I'm just going to hold this until we'll start there next week. And we, we keep hitting this, uh, this, the matter of love, and, and how much it is, um, how critical it is, how much it's a part to both the church carrying out its functions, you and me doing what we ought to be doing, and how this coming together, and we'll see that, Lord willing, next week. Um, we'll pick up here and, and uh, finish this paragraph and then get the next one probably very well may finish up this chapter next week. But... Uh, if not, next couple of weeks for sure. Uh, but anyway, anybody, any other thoughts or comments? If you have thoughts as we go along, feel free to raise your hand and interrupt me. I mean, stop me because I want it, It's part of the communion, sharing things that may be unique in some ways to you, things that you can bring a perspective to something we're talking about or considering that is helpful may be helpful at the moment for somebody else. That's, again, part of the communion. Jordan?
I mean, it's, again, we, we can see illustrations back to the family with children and just seeing one child helping another child do something. Maybe complete a task, whatever it is. Garth? I mean, just sharing, sharing something that blessed your heart yeah. with somebody else. Hey, I don't know if you've read this or if you've seen this or if you've ever considered this, but, you know, here, here, here's a little book or whatever, and, or you share and just read it. It'll do you good uh, type thing. Sure, exactly. I mean, that's, that's part of it, part of that mutual communion aspect. Chris? Just the opportunities are watching it work. And that's the, the visible, um, my, my, my note here, an evident or a visible love, functioning church. All right, well, let's pray. I'm out of time. <coughs> Lord, we're grateful to you for the blessings you give. We thank you again for that which, because we are united to Christ and as we are united to Christ, Lord, the things that, because of who you are and, and you are love, and through Christ, we can then experience, again, that love and things that we've been talking about, just sharing and helping and doing things, even in coming and sharing this, this day, sharing with one another in the place of worship. Lord, to join our our prayers, our, our voices together, to, to join in our praise, uh, to join in our consideration of the word, in the giving, which uh, has been mentioned, Lord, there's, there's just so much that you've done for us uh, that, and that you do for us, even in the keeping of thy day. So we look to thee, Lord, to continue to be with us, to bless us, to help us by your spirit, to be with your people. Father, we thank you for every single person that makes up the body of Christ. And we pray that you would bless them today. Lord, regardless of where they are, who they are, Lord, the position they hold, be it high or low, Lord, the condition they're in, we thank you for each one. We thank you that you love them 
as you loved us. We thank you that they worship you as we worship you in and through Christ. So help us, we pray. Make it be a good day for your people, we ask. For we pray it in Christ's name. Amen.